0: the most important thing coming into this camp now is to take each and every game, game by game, not focus on saying, OK, let's get nine points. I mean, I remember even myself, I previously said, you know, let's get nine points in the window. Let's focus on each game and what we need to do in order to, to, to win each game. Um, and then I think that's going to set us up for the for the best success.
1: Underway here on ESPN Plus, Sebi Salazar, Hercules Gomez, and apparently a Tyler Adams who has learned his lesson hurt from the last time around.
0: The wise man learns from his mistakes. Mm. That's exactly what you're supposed to say. Do not give these teams bullet board material. Do not give the press a way out. Don't do it, because we will be there.
1: There you go. There you go. We all learn from our mistakes. Let it be so on this edition of Football Americas. Plenty coming up for you on this edition of the show. Julie Fowdy is going to join us for the latest on the National Women's Soccer League. Of course, her uh, no games this past week. And in light of the uh, sexual abuse scandal that we first learned about last week, we'll have all the latest there. We've also got an interview a little bit later in the show with Chris Richards on life in the Bundesliga. Of course, uh, life with the U.S. men's national team uh, as well. Plus, all of the good news from Major League Soccer and a weekend full of Clásicos in Liga MX. And if people don't want to look at your ugly face, they just want to hear my beautiful voice, uh, how, how can they get this, this content, Herc? On the podcast.
0: There it is, on the podcast. Spotify, Apple, YouTube... Uh, MySpace, Hi8, whatever you guys need, we are there. <laughs> yeah, on to, today of all days, uh, you, you better make sure That's that right. the uh, technology Instagram that you're referencing... Instagram, WhatsApp, it was down. A lot of our production crew lost its mine, but is this, <laughs> this too shall pass.
1: Yeah, yeah. this show runs on WhatsApp, so uh, <laughs> whoever's dealing with that, if you could sort it out, uh, the quicker the better for all of us uh, involved. All right, uh, Herc, it is, however, the, it's a World Cup qualifier week, right? So there's only one place to start. We got three huge World Cup qualifiers coming up for everybody in CONCACAF, let's start with the U.S. and some, uh, some big news and frankly so, some bad news here in the center of defense. First, we'll start with John Brooks, who will miss the upcoming World Cup qualifiers due to a back injury. Of course, Herc played in two of three games in the last go-round. This on top of the fact that Tim Ream was pulled out of camp uh, for family reasons. Now, Ream was replaced by Walker Zimmerman. As of now, at least for the Jamaica game, looks like there won't be a replacement for Brooks. I thought uh, Matt Miazga, who we heard from uh, earlier on Football Americas, might have been an option to get called into camp. Uh, he won't, at least not for now. So as it's not now. just two of as for now. No, it's not just two of your, your veteran center backs Herk, here. It's two of your left sided uh, center backs here that are out for Greg Berhalter. Just how big of a problem is this?
0: It's a big loss. It's a problem on paper. Why on paper? Because it's one of your most experienced, or actually, it's your most experienced defender. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm thinking about it, it's your most experienced player. Who else has that World Cup experience and has been successful in World Cups? So, man man has a World Cup goal. Uh, but if you think about it, this is a guy who in World Cup qualifiers hasn't been really performing of late. I mean, he didn't have a good performance versus Canada, came out at halftime versus Honduras. Mm. And if we want to go further than that, go back to the memory bank, Do you remember that failed qualifying campaign uh, by by Jurgen Klinsmann, Bruce Arena, the the, the U.S. men's national team for that 2018? Some of his worst performances in a U.S. men's national team jersey came in World Cup qualifying. So on Mm. paper, yes. Off of paper, maybe this is a blessing in disguise. He recently lost his position in Wolfsburg. He's no longer a starter. He's uh, been rumored to be on the outs there. So maybe this would be a good thing for him to get healthy, one, because he doesn't look right, and Mm. two perspective, get hungry, and go from there. And then, now this is a great opportunity for the guys behind him. All right, let's talk about those guys behind him because it sounds to me like you're downpl-
1: downplaying the value of experience, which I know not- in, different par- in different parts of the field you might make that argument. For me, at center back, uh, in center defense, that's a place where like, being 28, being 30 there to me is being right in your prime. It's not in any way sure. being, being old. I- I'll agree with you. Bad against Canada. Pulled at halftime against Honduras, um, but let's look at the other options there. It's either it's Chris Richards, Miles Robinson. I mean, those guys are young. They're young. They're an experienced, your best player, pretty much. Or it's, or it's Walker Zimmerman, who wasn't wasn't actually yeah. called in initially. I mean, this is, a, this is a big drop-off, especially if I'm thinking ahead to Jamaica, who's going to give you maybe the best nine to have to deal with in all of CONCACAF outside of a, On if we think Raul Jimenez paper. is in full form, Mikel Antonio, Mikel Antonio is going to be a problem for any center backs. Absolutely, John Seth. Brooks, Tim Ream, On and anybody paper, else you bring in.
0: It's a big problem. On paper, it's a big drop-off, but I think you would agree the best defender for the U.S. men's national team since Gold Cup has been Miles mm. Robinson. Is that sound a competition? Well, that's down to the personnel that you have and the games and the opportunities that he's taken. You know? so, so who's to say Chris Richards, who's of the same profile, mm. who's of the same make, who has the same build, same playing style essentially, not as aggressive, but can, can't come in there, slot in there, and show us that this Chris Richards and Miles Robinson partnership could be the duo of the future and present. This is a great opportunity for Chris Richards. This is a kid who's been screaming out for these opportunities. Hoffenheim last season, this is a player, and many are going to say, well, left center back, does he really play? He played over a 1,000 minutes for Hoffenheim as a left center back. He's a good passing back, a good vision, over long distance as well, good with his feet. It's John Brooks. John Brooks is only 28 years old. I agree Mm. with what you're saying, but this would be good for John Brooks. Let him get a breath of fresh air. Let him come up for air.
1: You're you're not just saying the nice things about Chris Richards, because we do have an exclusive interview with him um, later in the show. You mentioned Brooks' age. Real quick, because I don't want to spend too much more time here before we get to your dream 11 uh, for this round of qualifiers, at least against Jamaica. Um, Brooks at 28. Are we seeing the beginning of the end with him at the national team?
0: Uh, If you're calling for these young guys, I mean, look at the team age. Look at the team. The average age of this team is the youngest in World Cup qualifying, not a CONCACAF in World Cup qualifying. It's a very young team. So, yes, Tim Ream, who's not in this picture, John Brooks, they're on notice because the youth is coming up. And you've seen with Miles Robinson, who plays at a major league soccer level, who's Mm -hmm. been very good, if not the best defender for Greg Berhalter this whole campaign since summer. It doesn't matter where you are, he'll give you a chance and with this group, if you're a good player, you can come in and do your job. All right, Herc, your homework was to pick your best not, 11 for the I'm game
1: against against Jamaica. Now, this wasn't what you thought Greg Burhalter would do, right? This is what you Hercules Gomez would do as you look at this 26 26- uh, I guess 27 player pool. What do we get back down to 26 now? So here is your your best 11, your dream 11 against Jamaica. Okay, uh, wow, a lot to unpack here. Matt Turner's your number one. Okay, Serginho Dest, you're trusting him in a back four. Yeah. You're going Musa Adams, McKinney in midfield, and you're going uh, Aronson, Pepe, and Wea across the top. Let's start up top because the the big question mark is no Pulisic, no Reyna. You're going Aronson Wea as your Polisic Reyna replacements. Honestly, I love to argue with you, that's pretty hard to argue.
0: I mean, that's what you got, right? And that's the best of what you got right now, and Brendan Aronson, i don't think anybody in the right mind could argue brendan aronson how productive he's been for both club and country he's taken these opportunities in stride and just run with them so he keeps getting that nod he will be there uh whether he's starting or off the bench this man produces ricardo Pepe, the ninth position is such an enigma for this program and he seems to be the hot hand right now and after what he did in honduras you have to ride with him it's ride or die with him in his home state of texas Mm. Uh, A little less than 200 miles of where he plies his trade in Dallas. The games would be in Austin. You you go with Ricardo Pepe. There's no argument there. And then Tim Weah. Tim Weah. This message is for Tim Weah. Tim Weah has got all the makings of a great player. Flashes of brilliance. But my man has played 13 games over 700 minutes with the U.S. men's national team. One goal. Back Mm. in 2018 versus Bolivia. He's got fitness issues, injuries, been in and out of lineups, in and out of different leagues, in and out of different clubs. It's his moment now. He's doing well right now in League One. He needs to do it now with the U.S. Men's National because these opportunities are few and far between. So I'm looking at your midfield here. You're
1: going real young. Musa, Adams, McKinney. You're not big on experience here either. I'll point out. Um, You're also not big on. You're not big on form. Like Musa, Adams, McKinney are not coming in. Playing particularly well, especially like a guy like Weston McKinney, who we focused a lot on because of the off-field. But if you look back at, at his performance this weekend for Juventus against Torino, Allegri criticizes him specifically yeah. uh, in the for post-match goals, in the post-match him. press conference. Yeah. In the post, I'm just saying he's he's not coming in hot, and, and you don't have a lot of experience so in that wait, will... wait, wait, sorry, isn't this a good moment to bring in the MLS guys to bring in a roll-down, a legit uh, experience he against him in? He brought
0: those in. No, and no, at least put them in the starting lineup. And, and, if not now, well, when? Well, don't, don't say if not now, when? Because Where's Berhalter, your experience in window. this team? Listen, listen, there is no experience on this team because they're all young, inexperienced in World Cup qualifiers. Last World Cup fixture, mm. day. listen to this. 21 different players started for Greg Halter Last window. Three games, 21 different starters. 22 <clears throat> made appearances. Ethan Horvat, the only player who did not make an appearance, they will play, they will start, because as we've seen, and we've seen this a bunch, Seb, Mexico, Jamaica, Costa Rica, Panama, injuries are going to happen, which is why I went with the back four. Exactly why I went with the back four, because- Even with Serginho Dest. Yes, yes, because I, listen, Jamaica, if I can go into Jamaica's really quick, really quickly, Possession stats versus Mexico, 27% for Jamaica. Possession stats versus Panama, 39%. Possession stats versus Costa Rica, 43%. The personnel with Jamaica is all over the place. Mm. We don't know who's going to play. We don't know who's going to make the list. We don't know what it'll be. What I will tell you is they don't possess the ball, and we've spoken about this. You only trust Reginio Dest if you know you're going to possess the ball Mm. and possess the lot, and you're in the friendly confines of Q2 in Austin, Texas, a very pro U.S. men's national team crowd on a very pristine field. No arguments from these players. I don't want to hear anything about the field. I don't want to hear about the conditions. <laughs> these players, this field, this player, this opportunity. I wouldn't go three center backs because with the amount of injuries that we've seen, a lot of these players have been playing a lot of games. I don't know if I want to blow one of these players in, in it with using three center backs and then behind the eight ball for their other two games.
1: So one thing we mentioned when we first flashed that eleven. This was what you wanted, Correct. what you would do. Not necessarily what you think Greg Burhalter will do. One thing that you did was start Matt Turner. Do you think there's any discussion that Matt Turner is the number one for this team? Do you think there's any chance we could see someone besides Matt Turner, in goal for this game
0: against Jamaica? Absolutely. And the only reason I put Matt Turner there is because Greg Berhalter opened that door and Matt Turner just blew it wide open. If there was Mm. a sliver of an opening, he kicked it open. Matt Turner's taking advantage of every single opportunity given to him with the U.S. Men's National Team. But who's the old trusted player for Greg Berhalter? Yeah. It's Zach Steffen. Who knows his system? Zach Steffen. Who's been that number one every they, single game? But Matt game. Turner is the number one right now. Doesn't that doesn't that create a goalie controversy for nothing? Of course. And he did it himself. Greg Berhalter mm. has created a goalie controversy. But credit to him. Credit to Matt Turner for making it a controversy. Credit to him for keeping that door open, slamming it wide open, and all of a sudden saying, hey, I'm here too. I don't care if I play in Major League Soccer. But Zach Steffen is Zach Steffen. He plays in the Premier League. He plays under City. And he happens to be one of the confidants of Greg Halter.
1: Big picture, Herc. What is an acceptable week for the United States? We remember last time around you said five points. Five points. One win in three was good enough for the United States, and it's exactly what they delivered. This time, with not one but two games at home, what is an acceptable window out of nine points for the U.S. men's national team?
0: My head tells me six is acceptable. But then I look at the road record for the U.S. Men's National Team against Panama. They mm-hmm. should get seven. Seven Ooh. is the line for them. Seven ambitious. is the line. Yeah, it's, it's not ambitious. That's the line. Uh, and anything else of six, anything less of six, mm-hmm. is on scary, shaky grounds for Greg Berhalter. If you drop points in these two home games, that's mm-hmm. a fireable offense for you. You've now dropped three, three-accounts. Home games. You drop points in three straight home games if you don't get these two wins at home.
1: Really? So you're saying that even these three games, Greg Berhalter is still managing for his job after getting the requisite
0: five points in the first three matches of the qualifying cycle. Yeah. Do you know why the U.S. administration didn't qualify last go-around? It's not because they were poor on the road. It's because mm. they were poor at home. They've always been poor on the road, historically. So just because you make up points versus Honduras doesn't mean you can... Go out and just say, I have the luxury of losing points at home. Now, no, that's not the way it works, especially not here in CONCACAF. Home against Jamaica and home against Costa Rica.
1: Huge games for the tenure then of Greg Burhalter in two matches that, of course, you can watch on ESPN. Herc, let's run it back. We had some big performances, especially from the crew that might have felt they were on the Roster snub list. Shall we start with Joe Scally? His first Bundesliga goal. How about that, Herc? Uh,
0: look at this. Where? Where are the defenders? Where are the defenders? Joe Scally doesn't care. Look at my man. One v one. Where's? Oh, if Brooks isn't there. it Would have been great to see him on the. Ah, oh, Joe Scally. First Bundesliga goal. Hey, what are you doing? I uh, well, Yeah, he's there. I he just can't get there. Look at that. Center back can't get the Joe Scali nice little finish. What a campaign by the way for Joe Scally. Max Eberle the CEO sporting director of Gladbach said on sporting one at the moment he is the he is the winner for us this season. Mm. I guess that's pretty good
1: Gladbach winners on the day 3-1 over John Brooks. And Wolfsburg. Elsewhere in the Hey, don't forget about me category, Daryl DK, game-winning goal for Orlando against DC United. That is now three in
0: three for DK. Yeah, he didn't look right at Gold Cup. That shoulder injury definitely kept him from playing his best brand at football. He looks better now uh, he's on a tear that's four goals one assist in his last seven games best form he since I don't know what Barnsley best form since he went on loan since they asked 20 million for him that price has been going down but more more uh, play like this and we're gonna see it go back up just as much. Emerald DK getting it done and of
1: course the game winner comes. Against my beloved DC United, oh,
0: production,
1: production killing me. Yeah, the shades was a nice touch. Gianluca Buzzio,
0: first goal in Syria. Herc, you'll take it. Especially at Calgary, I, it's, IT'S somebody to direct battle with. A great game winner. He needed that. They needed that. They're one, four, and two. Only five points, one spot above the relegation zone. But this is gonna do wonders for his confidence. One-one, the final score there against Cagliari
1: in uh, Syria. Never hurts to get a little deflection. Probably would have been a handball anyway, right? Gianluca Busio then uh, getting on the score sheet for Venezia. That's something new. This is not. Brendan Aronson, Herc, with yet another assist for Red Bull Salzburg.
0: That's all my man does. That's all he does. I mean, he scores too, bro. He scores, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's all he does is, as far as being productive. You want to give this man five minutes? He's going to find a way to get on a score sheet or give an assist. You want to give him a start? Yeah, he can do that too. That's all he does. He seems to be getting better. It seems to me like the Austrian League is no longer a good fit.
1: Mm. He's too big for the Austrian League. Is that what you're saying?
0: He's too big for the jersey.
1: <laughs> well, good. Hercules Gomez. Ready to send Brendan Aronson on to the next big thing. Speaking of, Tim Weah. One of the next big things to Jonathan David of Canada for Leo, another CONCACAF.
0: Hook up. These two love to play together. They do, they do. And this is what I want to see out of Tim Way. I want to see him running that defense. I want to see him using that speed, being productive, being dangerous, causing silly errors from defenders. And what can you say about this partnership with Jonathan David and Fuego? Six goals and nine appearances for the Canadian. And of course, Herc, they love the
1: celebration. What is this, the uh, the fusion? Reminds me of uh, Miguel Almiron and Joseph Martinez back in the day.
0: No, 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 don't say it, it reminds me. What do you mean? No us taking on
1: jamaica from austin thursday 7:30 p.m eastern time coverage on espn 2 and of course streaming live on the espn
2: app passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Time now, Herc, to continue our coverage of the news that rocked the soccer world last week. Of course, it all began on Thursday, a report in The Athletic by Meg Linehan, detailing... Multiple allegations of sexual coercion and misconduct against now-former North Carolina Courage manager uh, Paul Riley. He saw his contract terminated by the team and the league. Of course, Herc, that's not the only fallout. This news broke up four days ago. Things are happening almost on an hourly basis. We had uh, the NWSL postponing its weekend matches. That in conjunction with the NWSL Players Association, Commissioner Lisa Baird, as well as the league's general counsel. Both stepped down. The U.S. Soccer Federation, meanwhile, retains Sally Yates, the one-time acting attorney general, to lead their investigation into what happened. Lisa Baird, also out of the U.S. Soccer uh, Board of Directors, we know to be one of the more powerful groups uh, in all of American soccer. For more on this, then, we welcome in Julie Fowdy, World Cup champion, Olympic champion with the U.S. Women's National Team. Julie, uh, there's so many angles for us to hit on this, but first of all, just kind of from a personal level, you've, you've put your entire life into women's soccer, uh, especially women's soccer professionally mm. in this country. Uh, how are you feeling after the last 72 hours?
3: Mm. It's, um, it's a sad, sad week for women's soccer, for sure. And um, I, I think, you know, the thing that we as players, and there's been a lot of um, discussions, obviously, amongst women um, Players uh, of my generation, as well, is, is the thing that keeps coming back is, you know, whether it's women's soccer, whether it's the women gymnasts, as, as we've heard recently, that why does it take the woman having to finally go to the press and get the story out to the media and risk so much at such a personal toll for the institution to actually act and to do the right thing and how? as, again, we've seen in other sports, does it happen where the coach gets rehired and goes back? Mm-hmm. And so those are all the questions we're asking. Those are all the questions um, that torment you. But it, it has not been a great week by any measure for uh, for women's soccer.
1: Julie, as part of the league's response, they've issued what they're calling their commitment to systemic transformation. I know you've had a chance uh, to look at it. Do you think it's enough for the league to move forward kind of in the short-term regaining trust of not just players, but fans, sponsors, everybody else involved?
3: I, I think it's a lot of words. <laughs> and I know from the player's standpoint, standpoint, they're tired of a lot of words. I mean, sure, it, it addresses big issues that need to be addressed, and they're going to do investigations at the league level, at the club level, to get some type of roadmap and baseline of where these teams are with their anti-harassment policies and their anti-discrimination policies and all those things you need. Um, But the most important thing is is they need action. And they need to rebuild, first and foremost with the players, a trust that they're listening to them, that it's not going to be the same old, same old, group of owners making decisions um, and that there's going to be a policy and a protection, most importantly, in place for these players. And so as much as they want to tout what they're going to do, and they should talk, obviously, about the pathway forward, it's going to rely on action and who this next commissioner is and, and what that looks like and what changes are made in terms of leadership and culture so that you can regain that trust most importantly from the players, because the product, as we know, is tremendous. I mean, and the players want to be playing. This is a gift for them in terms of this is a dream. You grow up wanting to be a professional soccer player. They don't want to see that taken away from them, but they also don't want it to be a situation that's not safe, and they don't feel like there's protections in place.
0: Julie, obviously no games this weekend. It seems like the players in league have a long ways to go in terms of reconciliation. Is the season in jeopardy? Does that even matter? Is there a bigger picture here?
3: I I don't think the season is in jeopardy. I'm told the the teams um, traveled today, so it looks like the games are going to go forward. Um, And, you know, I've been talking to some sponsors as well who um, candidly think that They also believe that the product and understand that this is a a wonderful league filled with inspirational players and role models that need to be highlighted. And how can they play a role in making sure that this is something that is first and foremost um, and evident uh, to the fans? Because right now, obviously, you have so many fans that uh, are angry, as they rightfully should be, so many players that are angry. And... Um, And so I I think this is obviously a huge reckoning moment for this league, but the fact that they're going to be playing this week is a step forward.
1: Julie, if we can move away from kind of the immediate fallout and and go a little bit bigger picture here, one of the things that I was really taken aback by from the reporting last week was um, kind of we see over and over again what's what's referred to as a culture of silence uh, in women's soccer. I wonder how you felt about that and if that's something that – was very much a part of your experience as a, as a professional player.
3: Yeah, well, you saw in the reporting that Meg Linehan Dan, did in that incredible article about how they talked about they didn't feel they could complain, they didn't feel they could bring this up because, um, and this is something in my day, to your point, Sebastian. You know, you you felt like, oh, we don't have many chances to have a women's professional league. And so the the mantra always was you should be grateful for this and you should be thankful and you can't screw it up because then there won't be any more owners out there that will want to come in and support women's soccer. And so you were very cognizant of that. I actually thought things had gotten better. It's very evident that they haven't um, in that regard. Uh, because there still is this pervasive fear that we could be the ones responsible for the end of the league, and um, and so sadly, there's still an environment that, in uh, silence, uh, that reigns because of that fear from so many players, which needs to be absolutely addressed as well.
0: Julie Paul Riley is one of multiple NWSL coaches that was recently let go amid allegations of, of player treatment. By my count, that's one, two, three, four. And that's just at the NWSL level. I mean, what does this say about the overall system who keeps putting these coaches in place?
3: Yeah, well, it says, our, you know, what do they have in place that's vetting these coaches? One, and two, I mean, again, this is an issue um, that they're talking about addressing that I, I can't believe they haven't addressed is what kind of training are they putting these coaches through and what kind of U.S. Center for Safe Sport um, does a tremendous job in trying to get to the players and the coaches in terms of training. Are they going through all that stuff? I know that's language in, in, in this new commitment, um, but what have they done in the past for that? And two, it highlights a huge problem not just in women's soccer and women's sports is there's not a pipeline for women's coaches to get through nor are we elevating women's coaches to get through you're seeing um you're seeing richie burke for example at washington spirit was a youth coach that got elevated to be a professional coach you don't see that happening with women where they're a youth coach um, and then they get elevated to coach professionally it takes a lot for a woman to break through. And so the pipeline and uh, what we're teaching these, uh, what we're doing in terms of helping young women be successful in this space is absolutely critical because we're not addressing that either. And that will be another huge topic uh, of concern going forward, which is something that we've seen for decades.
1: Yeah, Julie, the kind of obvious answer here seems to be just have more women in coaching. But I wonder if you feel like it might go deeper than that. And some of the, the instances that, that Herc just mentioned, Washington Spirit with Richie Burke, uh, O.L. Reign, North Carolina Courage as well with Paul Riley. Um, each of those hirings, there was a red flag uh, about those coaches, about those male coaches. And, and those red flags were, if not ignored, at least passed by by owners who are males. Um, is the problem here not just that there's not enough women in coaching, but there's not enough women in front offices, and frankly, there's not enough women owners like the buck has to stop with women
3: yeah and and it's something that has been a conversation for so long sebastian as you know right in that we we have to change the landscape in terms of Um, incentivizing women to actually uh, and and, uh, people in positions of power to hire women to get them engaged in in this process, Um, because we have to see women running these professional leagues, for sure. That is going to help. But that's not the only answer. I mean, who is the adult in the room in that moment who will stand up and say, this is not right? And this is what we're seeing across so many different sports Um, across so many different institutions that they protect the brand over the player. They protect the, the league or the company over the employee. And that has to change. They have to be bold in the moment to say, this is not right. And we need to step up and stop it. And you're not seeing that. And I'm hopeful that if we do get more women in these positions of power, that they will be bold in that moment. And that starts to change things.
1: Julie, as always, thank you for the time, and thank you so much for your perspective. Julie Fowdy, then, with us here on Football Americas.
2: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and gold!
1: All right, Herc, back to the field. Mexican national team. Good weekend for Mexicans abroad. Raul Jimenez with not one but two assists as Wolves beat Newcastle United 2-1. Doing all the things you talked about on this show last week, making everybody else around him look good.
0: That's what he is, man. He's a playmaker. I don't care what anybody says. His best attribute isn't that he's a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. He makes everybody around him go, "Look at that turn." He just turned around three players, sets up the game winner there. We're going home. And he's in a good moment right now. This confidence will carry over to the national team. Look, on a dime and then the speed, the poise, the vision. We're going home, Seb.
1: Both goals that he assists on fall to Huang Hee-chan, so the partnership there is starting to look uh, pretty good. Wolves, by the way, up to 12th in the table. Napoli, meanwhile, first in Syria as they get another win 2-1 over Fiorentina. Chuki Lozano with a goal. He continues his recent red-hot form. How angry would you be if you're
0: the goalkeeper on this Chucky Lozano goal? <laughs> Very. <laughs> Absolute blinder, double-save, ridiculous one-hander, then stuffing right there, only a Chucky Lozano would stuff it right back down your face. Down the throat, shelves it, Chucky Lozano in superb form. But this is what he does, he scores in bunches. No matter where he plays, the man can be productive. Napoli
1: with a come-from-behind win. Now seven for seven, perfect atop top Sirian. And what do you know, Chucky Lozano coming in fresh. He only played 57 minutes in that match. So our first of three questions here on Football Americas are Chucky Lozano and Raul Jimenez, the hottest duo heading into CONCACAF World Cup
0: qualifying.
1: Herc, what do you say?
0: Ooh. I want to revisit this one when everyone's healthy and just best duo, not hottest duo, but if we're going hottest mm. duo right now in CONCACAF, the only other duo that I could think of that comes to mind is Jonathan David and Alfonso mm. Davies. Okay. Honestly. Yep. And that is a scary duo to face. But this duo, when you talk about where they play, the level they play, what they've been doing lately, the ceiling, where they play on their national team, I think by far, this is the hottest duo right here. These two, Raul Jimenez in El Chucky Lozano.
1: We're leaning a little bit on CV, right? Because both Lozano and Raul Jimenez, at least lately, are just getting back into form. You can't say the same about Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies. I think they are the only realistic competition for this title of the best dynamic do-in-all of CONCACAF. Maybe we would say uh, Brendan Aronson, Ricardo Pepe, if we were really stretching, but but not even close. If
0: everybody's healthy, maybe you could throw in there a Gio Reyna Christian Pulisic Mm -hmm. if everyone is healthy. Made. I think the
1: point here, though, is, is what you said is true. These guys are the best, right? Yeah. I mean, this, these guys are the best and probably by far, which to me opens up a bigger conversation. Like, when you think about all the expectations down in Mexico, it's because of players like Chucky Lozano and Raul Jimenez. This, this isn't really even a question, right? Well, if a, they're firing it off cylinders, they're by far the best duo. Can in I copycat. tell
0: you why it's a question? Because you talk about form, you talk about maybe that CV. The last time they played together was 2017 versus Costa Rica. Mm. Mm. That's four years ago.
1: Yep, yep. That's a problem. You hope that Raul has the impact on Chucky that you mentioned last week. Maybe also that he has the impact on a guy like Tecatito, who has really oh, struggled of late for with Mexican national teams. So yeah, I think that his club absence, situation
0: is definitely taking a toll on him. Yep, yep. Another player that...
1: Uh, Then Mexico could certainly use. Uh, All right, let's uh, focus in on the Canadian side of this uh, Mexico showdown because they might have the best player in all of CONCACAF, right? And that is Alfonso Davies. Can Mexico stop Alfonso Davies in this first of the three games, sir?
0: I don't know if anybody can stop Alfonso Mm. Davies. He's one of the most talented players in in world football for his position. Like He's fighting best in his position type of talent Uh, in CONCACAF. He's the best field player in my mind. It's Alphonso Davies. And in down down that left-hand flank, he's not playing as a left-back. He's Mm -hmm. playing as an attacker for Canada. And he's a menace. Let me give you some numbers. In and 2020 and now, eight games since then, all World Cup qualifiers, four goals, six assists. Okay? And it's 25 Hmm. games that he's played for the national team. He's got nine goals, 14 assists. This man is scary productive, and that's what shows up on the score sheet. You don't see players, defenders falling down because he breaks their ankles. You don't see all of those intangibles. You just see the end product, the goals, and assists. Here's the thing, though. When we're talking about Mexico, he's only had one game. He's only played them once. It was the Gold Cup 2019. It didn't go well for Canada. They lost 3-1. to one. This is a different Canadian team. A Canadian so- team, a healthy Canadian team with Alfonso Davies. I don't care where they're at in the Azteca. He can hurt you. Yeah,
1: and he doesn't have to do it by himself, right? Because he's got forwards that can yeah. score. You got you got Kyle Lahren, uh, you got Jonathan David, who we've talked about. You've got Cavalini, uh, yeah. who fans in Mexico will know well from his time down in Liga MX. I think those are all guys who can finish Estacio, off the chances. who's
0: good in service. You've got you've got a very good defensive team. You've got structure, and. Tejan Buchanan. Yep.
1: That's the other thing to me is that it's not just Alfonso Davies. It's Tejan Buchanan. It's a combination of both those guys. It's the speed. I'm thinking about Mexico's backs, specifically the right backs. Jorge Sanchez, Chaka Rodriguez. Like, are, are those the guys that are going to shut down Alfonso Davies? How's that matchup going to go?
0: Well, we don't know if it'll be Alfonso Davies there or if it'll be Tejan Buchanan. Remember, Tejan Buchanan scored a beauty against Mexico mm-hmm. down that left-hand side. Uh, just abused, I don't even remember who was on the right back side there. The Gold a, Cup, yeah. In the center back during the Gold Cup. So it's going to be by committee when you're defending a player like Alfonso Davies, but that's what you need to do because he's that special of a talent.
1: You had him what? Number one in your last CONCACAF best overall players? Is that right, Alfonso Davies? He's the best. Number one. He's the best. Best field oh, player. Best field Canada. player. Because you love Kayla Navas. You love Kayla Navas. All right, uh, final question, the only one that matters. What is an acceptable. Weak for L3. What results, what out of nine points Her keeps the pressure off that man,
0: Tata Martino? Oh, when you put it that way, nine points! Nine <laughs> points is acceptable for L3. Where do you want to go with this? You've already mentioned that they get Raul and Chucky Lozano mm-hmm. back, so the yep. first time ever they have everybody healthy at and his acche, disposal. Ache, all the trimmings. You even got a, a Funes Mori there if you'd like to use him. You've got all that. They have two home games and then away. Their away qualifier is against El Salvador that they've only mm-hmm. lost to once since 1993. You're going to tell me that they don't have to pick up nine points? I mean, the last time they lost was 2009. Uh, they lost a the game in El Salvador. Any game, any game to El Salvador. 2009 in El Salvador, World Cup qualifier. Uh, tidbit for you, the coaches, mm-hmm. Carlos de los Cobos mm-hmm. and Javier Aguirre in 2009. That, you remember that campaign in 2009. They almost. They, there you go.
1: Yeah, if you thought uh, 2014 was nervous, you should have seen the first half uh, of 2009. In fact, Herc, it turned on a day at Azteca, 2-1 victory over the United States of America. Oh, uh, how about You're that? You're welcome. How about that? Speaking of other uh, Mexican victories over the United States, we had news today. Julián Araujo, uh, FIFA announcing they have approved his one time switch from the U.S. to Mexico. The 20 year old right back for the LA Galaxy, represented U.S. youth national team level, what, the U 18s, 19s, 20s, U 23s, got his first senior camp with the U.S. Uh, back in 2020, but he is now with Mexico. Herc, how, how big a win is this for the Mexican Federation?
0: It, it's a massive win for the Mexican Federation. It's coming off of losing Ricardo Pepe. This is the next best player right there. In, in their minds, a player that could generally come in, slot in, and play, and play lots of minutes for Tata Martino. Tata Martino is very keen on the 19-year-old. Uh, you, when you think about right backs, it's Chaka Rodriguez, who isn't necessarily a fan favorite. And then you have Jorge Sanchez, who likewise isn't a fan favorite. Both two players are very polemic figures in that right back position for El Tri for the Mexican fan base. And this is a young player. Very, very fast, very comfortable on the ball. He's getting better by the day. Uh, And more than anything, I think it's a win and it has little ado, Seb, with what's going on on the field, but more Mm. off the field. Uh, Mexico, El Tri, they have a big problem with the way they connect with Mexican-Americans here in the States. It's very easy for some in Mexico and El Trin, the Mexican Soccer Federation, to sell nostalgia, to sell these tickets, to have them come out in droves. It's going to be very difficult, and we've seen it with the way they interact in their social media channels, with the way they interact uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, all these different things with these communities. There's a big break in the way they communicate with these communities. Julian Arajo is one of these players that I feel is, can be a... Pillar in the Mexican-American community, especially here in Southern California. You've seen his off-the-field work uh, with farm workers here in Southern California. He's a good person that they just got, and it happens to be a good footballer. So I think this is a tremendous win for Mexico.
1: A couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, we had you do a U.S. men's national team top five right backs. Yeah. Where was that Alco in there? I know he was in there. Where was he for you?
0: He was in number three. Mm, and, number three. and if you look at it right now, Reggie Cannon, DeAndre Yedlin, Joe Skelly, who can't get a call up. I thought it was wide open. Honestly, wherever he chose, you would have a good, legitimate shot of having some playing time. In uh, what might have been news, I wonder if the U.S. qualifying for
1: the Olympics might have changed things. Not only was Julian Arajo part of that failed attempt to qualify uh, to the most recent Olympics for the U.S., so was David Ochoa. I wonder if the U.S. goes to Tokyo, and those two guys are a part of it. I wonder if now
0: they're representing Mexico, Herc. What do you think? Could be. Could be, Mm. But I also wonder something. This is something you and I have spoken about. You have David Ochoa and you have Efrain Alvarez who have since committed and both haven't shown up in the last call-up. So Mm. uh, these things set trends. They set seeds. They plant seeds in the minds of future Mexican-Americans. And I'm not saying they deserve to be called up. It should be merit-based. But these are things that these players think about when making these decisions. Busy times for
1: Julian Arajo. His LA Galaxy involved in El Trafico over the weekend for Major League Soccer. LA Galaxy, of course, against uh, LAFC. A historic game there at Dignity Health Sports Park. Match finished up uh, 1-1. Goals from Mamadou Fall. That was the opener for LAFC on 11 minutes. Uh, before Branseer got the uh, leveler for LA Galaxy on the 19th minute. Herc, you were there. What happened to the goal fest we predicted? It finished 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, on, but they hit the post three times. What are you talking I about? Know. What happened to the goal I fest? Know. Look at this
0: sweet little ball by Victor Vasquez who did not look happy when he had to come out in the second half. I thought he still had a lot left in that tank. Uh, a very sweet ball right here. A little combination play. Uh, Javier Hernandez with a little slick pass to Victor Vasquez outside of the foot and Grand Seer, taking out Blackman, who, by the way, is like seven foot tall. Uh, but this was a good game. It was honestly an entertaining game. Look at this, go ahead, the pew. Boom, there's one, off the post. My man's also like seven foot. Here's another one, go ahead, Sifuentes. Look at Sifu, in and out, in and out. Ginela, come on, Ginela. In boot, off the crossbar, Jonathan Bond with a slick little save here. He gets a finger on this, Seb. Yeah, you know what that means, Seb. You know what that gesture means hey, right Her, there. what
1: happened to Chicharito in this match? I thought he was real quiet down the stretch. There was something wrong no, with him. No, he wasn't real
0: quiet. He was making a lot of noise. He was really angry with his teammates. Uh, he was definitely frustrated. A lot of that frustration... It- I, can, I, I think is justified. There was zero to no service. The one chance he did have was a very quick play that he made the most of in the second half in the first half, uh, but very, very limited service for the Mexican international. Well, X international, excuse me. So,
1: Galaxy, uh, six in the West, two points away from being uh, out of the playoffs. LAFC, ninth in the West, four points back of the last playoff spot. Minnesota sits there now and has a game in hand on LAFC. The standings uh, tell us no. Did this sir this tie serve either of these two teams, sir?
0: No, absolutely mm. not. No. Hey, if, who's worse off for it? It's LAFC, but if you had to say like, whoa, it's a tie on the road versus you know, your biggest rival, this should serve LAFC." You would think so, but no, the reality is no. If you look at it, fifth and 10th t- place in the Western Conference are separated by six points. That's how tight it is. So in the playoff mm. picture, Ralph Salt Lake, the Galaxy, Minnesota United, Vancouver Whitecaps, LAFC, and San Jose. So it's very crowded, congested field right there. And this certainly did no- them no favors. <laughs> so. They put themselves behind the eight
1: ball, both teams. Let me get yes-nos for you, okay? Like I mentioned, we're 28 Uh games in. Uh We got Galaxy 6, LAFC 9th. Are LAFC going to make the playoffs, yes or no? No. Mm. Are the LA Galaxy going to make the playoffs, yes or no? (laughs) Yes. Wow. And someone's not very convinced, but uh, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Plenty more to discuss from the Major League Soccer. Weekend. Let's do a quick edition of the good, bad, and the ugly. Her clearly had his uh, had his say in the production meeting. The good is once again the Seattle Sounders who rolled. Colorado Herc, three nothing in a matchup of oh, two I of see. the top three teams I see uh, in the Western there. Conference. They snap Colorado's 12-game unbeaten streak. Herc.
0: is this rolled because Christian rolled down with the fourth straight game, uh, uh, fourth straight game that he scores a goal. How about this? Let's let's come out playing right here. Atencio back. Go ahead, Xavi. Suja Paulo. Keep playing, my friend. In and out to roll down. Medranda. Give it. Switch it. Come on, let's keep going. Come on, you could do it, Freddie Montero. Be patient with it, come with it. You go, I go, I take. Look at this, they're walking. Colorado's walking, they have no idea what's going on, they're chasing shadows. Can somebody get a hold of this? Draw Apollo. do you wanna do something? Draw Apollo. outside of the left foot, to Medranda, and then go ahead Medranda. Was that on purpose? No it wasn't. There's no <laughs> chance that's on purpose. It doesn't take away from the absolute, just ridiculous goal. I mean, Colorado's just chasing shadows. By the way, two games in hand, Two games in hand. If they win them, they get to 60 points. Right now, New England to 65. I'm not saying, but I am just saying. Watch out, Supporter Shield. Ganando, goleando, gustando. That's
1: your Seattle Sounders, first in the Western Conference. The bad Columbus crew, a 3 0 loss
0: hurt to Philly. What happened to all that momentum from the Campeones Cup? What? He said he wanted to win trophies, he just didn't say when. Look, Campeones Cup, the prestigious Campeones Cup trophy, that's one trophy. you will get the next, next one. You know better than this. Caleb Porter teams don't make the playoffs two years in a row. Why? That's a great question. But plenty of different teams, same outcome. No repeat playoff performances. It was fun while it lasted, Caleb Porter. It was fun while it lasted, Columbus. Campeones Cup, oh, you remember that, Seb? You were there. Yep. That was fun. Yep. Crew, uh, Crew never really in this one,
1: man. Philly played with ten for the last half hour. Still nothing from Columbus, who now find themselves her tenth in the Eastern Conference, six points out. I'm guessing in a yes/no on will Crew make the playoffs. You're you're going no?
0: Yeah, I'm going no. Do you want to, so six more games for the next six? Well, they've actually five: Inter Miami, Nashville, Red Bulls, Orlando, and your DC. Not looking good. The ugly. This should have been
1: beautiful. Landon Donovan honored with a statue outside Dignity Health Sports Park. The only problem, Herc, uh, the face on that statue. What did they do to? What did they do to your boy Landon here?
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is with the people who make statues. They just, like, they can't get it right. Is it that difficult? Like, he's not the only one that's been statuified. That's been. This has been done to lots of greats. Lots of greats. And and by the way, if somebody deserved. A statue for the LA mm-hmm. Galaxy, uh, forgive me David Beckham, you should not have been the first, it should have been Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan could have three three statues if, if I'm being honest here. You could have one for the San Jose Earthquakes, you could have one for the LA Galaxy and U.S. Soccer. For me it's the wrinkles on the face, Hurt. Oh, The
1: wrinkles goodness. on the face. Hey. What? Like, what's happening to his face there? Landon Donovan's face never once looked like that. He looks, he looks like he's 25 now. That looks okay. like a, the, the face of a wrinkled 65-year-old man, my, my goodness. I, I will say this: it's still cool by the LA Galaxy. We yeah. always complain that that MLS teams don't honor their history as as LA much does as they a should. a great job. I'm in DC. No, few people have more history in DC. We don't. We don't have. We don't have any statues. So I love this from the LA Galaxy. I do as well. I,
0: who are you taking here? What statue are you taking?
1: Uh, between what? Between between Ronaldo and, and Landon? For for which one's better or which one's worse? Which one no. is worse? No, the Ronaldo one. They had to like melt down and like redo it, right? I think that one's just, uh, yeah, just I, a just a little agree. bit I Ronaldo's worse.
0: worse. They actually, and Landon said it so himself. They did him a favor. They added more. They added more sod to the to the pitch there. So.
1: All right. So we're uh, we're giving a, a solid tripping to the trophy maker here, or the, the statue maker. Let's do a dripping or tripping now for. Uh, the Chicago Fires second attempt, Turk, Take two um, at a new crest. Is it dripping or is it dripping? Ah.
0: I'm going to give it tri- a dripping, drippin', drippin', dripping, drippin', but let me, let me just be clear. It looks like a Paw Patrol shield, a uh, logo. I am a, a father what? Paw Patrol. This is what it looks like, but I will give them credit. I will give credit to Joe Mansudo, the owner. The Chicago Fire got it wrong, the first rebound. Terribly wrong. What did they do well? They listened to the people. And they came up with this with the people. So I commend them for it. They spent lots of money in the first one. I don't know why you owners keep going with consulting firms. You got it wrong, but you did the right thing and went to the people and you got it right in the second go round. I'm not thrilled with the logo. It looks like a Paw Patrol logo to me, but whatever.
1: Yep, looks like the Chicago Red Stars colors, themes of the uh, city of Chicago there, I I like it. I give it a uh, much improvement over whatever that old Denver Nuggets-looking thing uh, was. MLS back on October 17th. We gotta wait for the international break, uh, but when it returns, it returns in style. The New York Derby, New York Red Bulls against New York City FC on ESPN. Hey, speaking of rivalries, El Clásico Tapatío down in Mexico over the weekend. Atlas defeating Chivas one nothing in a game that was how do I say full of incidents and uh, full of red cards too. In fact, Chivas reduced to not ten her, but nine men in the opening half hour of this game. Let's let's just start right there with the expulsions. Were were Atlas deserving winners on this night, or, or were they simply beneficiaries of poor officiating?
0: Yeah, I think they were beneficiaries of poor officiating because even when they were up two men with an hour to go, they played a certain brand that you would say, wait a second, who's up a man here? Who's up two men here? It wasn't indicative of a team who was the second place in, in Liga MX at the moment, the benefactors of poor officiating without a doubt.
1: Hmm, should there have been more expansions there on the, uh, on the fracas back and forth?
0: Hey, you wanna, uh, this is what happened versus America and then we were like, hey, you need a red card them, they didn't red card them, this is why you see the red card here uh, in this go around. It's a little bit of compensation. Hey, we'll spend
1: a lot of time talking about Chivas. Should we give Atlas some love here? They're second in the table uh, after this
0: result. Are they for real? Yeah, I think Atlas is for real. They're the best defense in all of Mexico, all of Liga Mekis. They may have played a poor hour against Chivas, Mm. but they did what they needed to do to win this game. Diego Coca uh, and this team, the Orlegi Sports Group, they've done a wonderful job with this dormant giant of a fan base. This fan base is massive. We already talked about 70 plus years without a trophy. This would be incredible for them.
1: Three games then under Marcelo Michel Leagno, the new interim manager for Chivas. One point, Herc, one point out of nine for Chivas. And that uh, football Vibrante that we were promised, yeah, we're still uh, still waiting on the, uh, on the first... Zero goals. Goal. So, um, given everything that we've seen from Leano so far, I know it's only three matches, do you think he should stay till the end of the
0: season? This is what I don't understand, and I'm trying to grasp the media, the, the Mexican media with this. They, they, they want to out Michel Leano because he... He challenges them because he talks to them. We're gonna shut mouths. We're gonna sh- we're gonna show all you people. And is that why they want
1: him out, or is or do they want him out because Chivas has not scored in three matches? He's an under interim
0: him. manager. He's not the permanent manager. He's who will be there in place until they find the permanent manager. Well, interim, interim, not permanent. Okay, we're not talking about the newly minted, newly signed manager for Chivas. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about the caretaker for or the time being. But aren't we
1: supposed to, even whether it's a caretaker, whether it's interim, whoever it is, aren't we supposed to see some type of bump after a new manager? If this is the bump, oh, forget what's
0: What's coming with some the crash? Some type of bump? What are we doing? Seb, this is why he's here, because they're looking for the new manager. Mm. This is what I understand. People wind up, he doesn't deserve to be there, because look at how he's playing. What are you gonna do, go to a second interim manager? Where are you gonna go? They have no money, you're gonna go further down the well? You need to go to the academy coach? You need to go hire somebody before you hire, really hire somebody? Look, they're, they're 11th right now in the table. Herc. They're in the positions
1: of repechaje. Liga MX is so forgiving that, that they can still make the playoffs and still make a run. I mean, are you, are you effectively saying that Chivas should just punch on the season, keep going under Leano, keep not scoring no, goals, keep not I'm winning saying, games? I'm saying Chivas, hurry up. The
0: great Chivas is going to quit. The great Chivas? Seb, you've, you've heard me say how many different managers they've had since mm-hmm. Matias Almeida, before Matias Almeida. How many championships do they have in the last two decades? Are we really going to demand that much from Chivas just because they are a popular team? No, so,
1: so in, every, in every history of the Vergara family, we have them being a quick hook with coaches. But now, with a manager with no experience and no success in his first three matches and a postseason to chase and potentially play for, you're going to tell me Amaury Vergara is just going to say, you know what? Now I found my patience. Now I found my patience. No, or is we there something more, patience. Is there That's more going Victor on Manuel
0: here? Victor Manuel Bucitich is gone. But mm. there seems to be a lot of different rumors about why he chose this interim manager, Michel Laño, who doesn't really have a soccer background. He, he came from the Leaño family, a very wealthy family in Mexico, in Guadalajara, who are actually owners of Estudia, Estudiantes Tecos. Uh, and he found himself... Wanted to coach. Coached in the lower divisions and he became an academy director and he's in place right now. But there is no money right now to get who all the fans want. And no. And by the way, the one the fans want is sitting in San Jose and that's a no-go. Mm-hmm. So until they find the right money and the right candidate, it's Michelle Año. So there are plenty, Herk, of
1: problems at Chivas. Ownership down to the manager. We should probably also acknowledge the players uh, as well. And the players are right now coming under a little bit more heat than usual after a defeat, even yes after defeat in el Clasico Tapatío because of a video that came out of the Chivas dressing room. This is the goalie Raul Godinio and Alexis Vega uh, after the match. We'll break it down after we listen in.
4: Se salvaron, Fer, la neta, güey, porque pues nomás con jugadores menos pudieron y de so you saw
1: the translation there. Um, you heard the beep. Is this video something, nothing, or everything, Herc? Effectively, it's Chivas players saying, hey, even with nine players, they had to get lucky to beat us. Kind of making excuses in the aftermath of what is a significant defeat. If for nobody else, than Chivas fans. They just lost to their bitter rivals. Okay,
0: uh, context to the video. Okay, Gudino's talking to a buddy of his, and in the video, who he sent a message to, the video gets, somehow goes viral, somehow circulates. This is everything but for Godinho, find better friends, Mm. find better friends. You and I know, you, I, and this production crew know, some things are sacred, these conversations are sacred. You and I say things in jest, say things in a private moment. In WhatsApp, it It never leaves the WhatsApp group. It never should leave the WhatsApp group. This left the group, this is everything, because you need to find better friends.
1: It's not a maybe sign of more of the indiscipline hurt no, that has no no, no sad Are we are we are we grasping at straws sab. Are we connecting dots? He's also
0: not wrong. Atas did get lucky that they were playing with two more men because even with two men more Chivas was going at him taking it to him and it could have been a different story. So I, I get what you're saying about better friends, but what about being better professionals like but Do you not expect this in a private matter? You, like, being a better professional is when you're in a when you're in a public setting, this is two to
1: experienced key players for Chivas. Seb, Shouldn't they know better?
0: Seb, you and I after this show will most likely talk. And the things you say, I will oh. never share with every anybody. I will never, because they could get you in trouble. <laughs> this was two friends having a conversation, oh, supposed friends having a conversation, and it got out. And all he said, by the way, was and it wasn't even a friend. It was the other guy that they got lucky. They did get lucky. I am innocent, and I do hope that WhatsApp, in,
1: in all their troubles today, deleted everything from the past. Your path. secrets are now safe that, with me, my now friend. Now that I know that Herc is, is ready to uh, to share everything with the world. All right, uh, another big clásico uh, in Mexico over the weekend. Club America and Pumas. Pumasea, Mexico City uh, Derby, if you will. Club America winning this game 2-0, Herc. Very comfortable, Very for an America team that doesn't make a lot of things look comfortable, I will admit.
0: Well, no, but they, they win. They win. I, I mean, it was comfortable. What a golazo. It was comfortable, but it was what they normally do, 2-0. That's their most frequent scoreline. Uh, and if I'm looking at Pumas, Pumas is comfortably used to uh, losing. They're second to last place only in front of Club Tijuana. Uh, so this is about as normal as it gets. Is there anything else to say about Bumas here? Like I feel like we're just like Beaten
1: kicking a, a wounded horse. animal. Yeah. yeah, like at this point it's, it's the same story over and over again, they're, they're just not good enough.
0: No, they're not good enough. You know what's crazy? It's uh, Gabby Torres, uh, a few weeks ago, had his contract rescinded because of poor play. Uh, they're talking about rescinding more players because of poor Can play. Can we just say that? Gabby Torres is playing for Pumas. He was playing That's for, for Tumas. That's saying Gabby Torres that, you, that, that, like, didn't cut it in MLS. Yeah, he was playing for Pumas. Yes. He got his contract rescinded, but they should be rescinding some of these directivos, some of these sporting directors, some of these ownership groups in Liga MX. That's what they should be doing because they choose these players. America with a... Uh...
1: Late goal. I mean, they did have to wait until the almost last minute of stoppage time to get the winner from Mauro Lainez. So maybe not as comfortable as, uh, as it felt, but it really never felt like Pumas were going to challenge America no, throughout this match.
0: No, never. And it's and, and same old story for Pumas. I almost feel bad for Pumas. This is one of the original big four teams in Liga America. He's a massive fan base. Just no money, no resources, no interest from the university that backs them or the ownership groups or the sporting directors that keep being fundled in or the way they go about signing players, no rhyme or rhythm. It's just a sad situation. Are uh, Pumas closer to being the worst team in Mexico or America
1: closer to being the best?
0: America's closer to being the best. Because there's still some teams that are very much down that totem pole pumas has had pumas goes up and down they'll have a mid-table season then they'll go back down to a relegation battle season and then everyone's oh, so you a don't think the
1: problems that pumas are that bad they're gonna no, be back no, next no, season no 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 no
0: no you asked who is closer is it america being the best or pumas being the worst i think america's consistently in those first three places and if we look under solari I mean, last season, for all those questions, we talk about the big earners, the big spenders in Liga mx your Monterrey, your Tigres, your Cruz Azul, even your Santos, if you will, there. America, who doesn't spend as much, who all of a sudden has their wallet closed up a little, last season, they were still there. And if not for that game, they lost... Uh, outside on, well, I should say the table, to Atlas for an ineligible player, they would have been the best regular season team versus a historic Cruz Azul team. So I, I would have to say, especially with what Solari's done this season, regardless of who they played, he's taken advantage of the moments, taken advantage of the points. They're the best regular season team to this moment, to this date. It has to be Club America.
1: Yeah, I mean, would you also say that the huge advantage has to be in managerial, in the manager category as well, Solari over Lilini?
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, player personnel, I think, is the biggest one.
1: Look <laughs> at you, look at you. Now, there it is. Hercules Gomez, finally. We found it for the first time I ever mean, here on Fútbol Blames the players.
0: Sebastián Córdova can't get off the bench for America. <laughs> you know, and he'd be, a, he'd be a star at Pumas. Right.
1: Um, all right, one more thing out of Liga MX. Say you got concacaf of sorts. Herc, her, we just see um, more and more people getting involved here. This is, um, okay, so Cholos doesn't have a coach. You can't find a replacement, so you got to bring in the sporting director. I mean, what's next, the janitor, the chef? Like, what's what, what, what more could go wrong at Cholos? The only team worse than Pumas, Cholos.
0: Yeah, Ignacio Palau, the sporting director, the one constant of the dozens of coaches who have been there and gotten fired, and the hundreds of players that have haven't panned out, the one constant, there he is, and now he's at the coach.
1: You got CONCACAF, there it is, Cholos is now on Football Américas. Chris, welcome to the show.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me. We had an
1: All-American matchup in the Bundesliga as you guys faced off uh, against Wolfsburg. Just how big a win was that for Hoffenheim, the 3-1?
4: Yeah, uh, it was a really big win. Wolfsburg was undefeated this year and so um, to be able to get a win and also to be able to beat a national team teammate is also uh, very nice. Um, I think it's going to give us good momentum going into the next game.
1: What's it like when you, you stare across the line in the Bundesliga and it's a guy you, you know you know from other, other national team camps, You know you've watched the national team a long time, it's John Brooks, what's that
0: battle like?
4: Yeah, I mean, of course, it's one of your, it's it's one of your friends and one of your national team teammates. But then you kind of have to turn that off when you're on the field. But uh, you know, some that before the game and after the game you laugh about. But then on the field, you kind of gotta take friendships aside and just you know, just play your game.
1: What's it like having so many other Americans in the Bundesliga? It really feels like you guys are kind of taking over the league. For a young guy, is that important for you?
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, you no, know, I think it's a good league for us to develop in and clearly it's been proven with the likes of uh, Weston and Christian and so um, you know, I think that it's really something that it's really refreshing and hopefully um, we get more guys over here and we're able to you know, just keep developing.
1: So, is, but you notched an assist uh, in this match. Now, on our show, we had quite a bit of a discussion of how much of an assist it was. Like, how much hair did you actually get on it? Um, walk us through the play. Do you deserve credit for the assist?
4: I feel like I do. I mean, uh, I think it kind of comes with the hair is being able to get a few um, so-called assists. So, uh, no, I think I think it got up pretty well, uh, deflected the ball just just enough to, to be in the right place. So, um, I, I'd count that as assist in my book. <laughs>
1: You weren't part of the last call-up group.
4: Uh, obviously, you were
1: going through kind of a, a decision, right, with the transfer window, where you're going to stay at Bayern or you're going to end up at Hoffenheim. Uh, how difficult was it to be apart, away from the national team when they start this qualification process, and you got to watch these like huge games in the middle of the night from afar?
4: Yeah, I mean, of course it's tough because you know you're you're you want to be there, and so um, you know watching them, you know that you know they they play well and. Of course, you'd love to see them succeed, but then you also wish that you were that person who was there helping them succeed. And so, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard for your head because, like you said, you're staying up all night watching these games, and then you know, you're kind of, you're kind of fighting yourself because you want to be there. But also, I think I made the, the right decision with figuring out my decision on the club level first.
1: There's a few of you guys that kind of fell into that category last time, I and mean, we've talked to a few of them on the show, Matt and Miazga. Um, Matthew Hoppe, who were kind of like in the end of the transfer window as the World Cup qualifying cycle started. Um, Is it really important for you to like be on the ground in Germany or in Europe during that time? Because I mean, I'd imagine missing those World Cup qualifiers, as you just mentioned, is tough. Um, So is it really that critical for you guys to be there in those in those final moments of the transfer window?
4: Yeah, I think for me, it was definitely uh, very important for me to be here. Um, I guess the way that my situation kind of played out it was a deadline day thing that happened and so um, I'm moving my stuff uh, kind of just had to get a new car things like that and kind of just showing the the club that put so much um, effort into you and trust and promise into you and just kind of repaying them with being there and getting a few days of training in, uh, even though I had to miss those games um, I think it I think it would help get me acclimated here again and just kind of get ready for the next camp. Walk us through
1: the decision. You've been on loan at Hoffenheim before. You go back to Bayern Munich. You know, you even played in a match this season for Bayern Munich. Probably thinking about competing for minutes there. How do you come to the conclusion that, you know what, right now, Hoffenheim's the place for me to meet, to be. But also, it's worth noting, like, long term, you did sign an extension with Bayern, right? So you, you kind of, in some way, have the future at Bayern and the present at Hoffenheim
4: yeah um you know at a club like Bayern, you kind of want to give yourself as many chances as possible to succeed and i think that's what i was trying to do um you know i was hopefully fighting for a spot um but then when it came down to it you know the center backs they have of course are world class and also um you know we have four or five center backs there so I felt like I would have just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle for the season, and so the you know, Hoffenheim they'd always fought for me. We stayed in contact throughout the summer, and you know they they told me that they wanted me to come back and you know just continue continue off where I left off last season. And so um, you know I, like I, I loved uh, I loved what they offered. I loved the philosophy that we have here, and so I decided to to take them up on the offer and you know just pay them back for for the last uh, six months.
1: Look a lot of guys you know they always tell you you got to take care of business at club before anything comes to the international level but you mentioned it like how often do you think about World Cup about national team about 2022.
4: Yeah I mean I think uh, I think as a as a soccer player you know I think it's always in the back of your mind especially when a World Cup year is coming up that. You, know, you want to I think everyone's dream is to to play in the World Cup and I think if a soccer player said it's not their dream, they're lying to you because um, you know it's the biggest it's the biggest thing ever. And so uh, even though like I said I'm a young center back, I think that if I you know if I take care of business here that um, when it comes to when it comes to those tough decisions on who's going to the World Cup and who's playing in these games, I think that uh, I definitely have a good chance of being in that conversation.
1: Big picture question here, Chris. And we asked us to like pretty much everybody who's in Europe um, that's come on our shows, what's it like being an American um, in Europe?
4: Yeah, I think, I think honestly it was a little bit harder um, because you kind of already have this, the people already have this um, notion on Americans, you know, we're lazy, uh, we don't do this, we don't do that. And then so you, I feel like you're already one step uh, underneath when you first get here. But I think, you know, once, once they see that you can play, I think it, I think it helps gain respect not just for yourself, but also for other Americans who are coming through afterwards. Um, I think guys like Christian and Weston, those two guys, they helped kind of change the narrative on Americans here in, um, in Germany or in Europe in general. And so, you know, they kind of come in like, oh, you know, Americans are this and that. And then when they realize that, you know, we're just as good as any European, South American, African player that, you know, I think they, they start to realize that, you know, we can also play.
1: You mentioned Christian Pulisic it's, it's kind of a weird question because he's a teammate of yours like all, by age almost a contemporary and yet he is such a kind of like trailblazer in this moment for American players like what does it mean to you when you see Christian Pulisic I guess when you were younger breaking through in the Bundesliga and now that you're in the Bundesliga you, you can turn and you can see him winning the Champions League
4: yeah um, you know I think he's still a trailblazer um You know, he's gone to the Premier League, he's he's won the Champions League now, and he wasn't just one of those guys who were just chilling on the bench. I mean, he came in and he he played his game. So, um, I think, you know, as a kid, you're you're watching TV, you're like, wow, this kid is, he's turning up the Bundesliga, he's turning up the Premier League, and then you realize he's only a year older than you. And you're like, oh, well, I got a lot of work to do. (laughs) And, uh, you know, even though it's really cool to see, I think it just motivates us to, to go even harder. You're an 18-year-old kid. You haven't even played like
1: first team MLS minutes. Like, what are those first training sessions at Byron like?
4: It's crazy. Uh, it's honestly kind of mind-blowing. You see, you look across the field and you see guys like Ayn Robin, Frank Ribery, David Alaba, Sandra Wagner, players like that, and you're like, you know, these are guys that you've watched your, your whole life, and then you also play video games with them, and, you know, now you see them, they're on the field with you, and they're locker right next to you. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive.
1: What do you say to them? Do you say, hey, you know, I've watched you growing up, or is that kind of, like, not the cool thing to say because you make them feel old? Do you tell them you played with them in FIFA? Like, how's, how are those interactions?
4: It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like you don't want to be a fanboy, but then also, like, you kind of can't help yourself. And so I'm, like, sitting next to... I'm sitting on a locker right next to David Alibuz, which it was free at that time. And um, no, I look over to him like you know, my best friend. He says that you're his role model. Can you take a video for me really quick and just say, "Hi, I'm David Oliver." <laughs> like he was like, "Yeah, bro, no problem." Like they're all down there earth guys, but you also don't want to be that one new kid who's like, "Oh, like, no, I, I look up to you," and yeah, you just don't want to make it awkward. But no, they all understand it. Was there a
1: moment in training? Maybe it's a matchup, maybe it's a player that you said, wow, like this is, this is a whole nother level. I don't know who it was that you might have been facing up one on one with, but was there an early moment there that kind of you said, okay, welcome. Welcome not just to the Bundesliga. Welcome not just to Europe. Welcome to Bayern Munich.
4: It had to have been ein Robin. Um, I mean, you hear about his left foot and then you see it in person and you're playing against it. And I remember he beat a defender and, you know, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go try to block this goal. And so, uh, and so he shot the ball and I was on the goal line and I headed it up and I swear to you, I just like, I could not see anything for like a minute. I mean, it was the hardest shot I've ever seen in my life and I just headed it and it was, I mean, everyone was like clapping, like good job, but also it was, it was a crazy moment and uh, you realize how good his left foot is at that point.
1: Um, Julian Nagelsmann said of you that you are, um, let me get the quote right, incredibly good in one-on-one defense. Um, where does that come from?
4: I think it comes from basketball. Um, you know, my dad said growing up, uh, you know, you, I guess, getting beat one-on-one is, uh, or just playing one-on-one defense is like you're, you know, just having pride for yourself. And, you know, you never want to get beat. And I think that just, like I said, it comes from that kind of basketball mentality that you never want, you know, your player to score. And um, it's more costly on the, on the soccer field. And so you have to, you realize that, you know, in 1v1, if you get beat, usually they're right in on goal. And so you kind of just learn that you know, it's, it's a matter of pride and that you don't want to get beat.
1: All right, Herc, probably worth noting we taped those interviews, uh, especially that one with Chris Richards, last week before the rosters dropped. Any uh, quick takeaways from the chat?
0: Everything about how what he does today impacts future Americans in Europe. I love that. He's playing not only for himself, but future generations. Yeah, uh, worth noting, he's at Hoffenheim
1: right now, but his future may still uh, be at Bayern. He has signed an extension, and uh, Julian Nagelsmann, according to a report from Roger Gonzalez of CBS Sports, was the person who said no when there were multiple Premier League offers for Chris Richards uh, over the last summer. So very interesting to see what happens to Chris Richards. Not just this season, not just this international window, but moving forward with the club like, buy me a car. All right, look, Herc, uh, scheduling announcement. What a what a beautiful shirt. El Mexico. Incredible stuff from you on the, uh, on the wardrobe front. Scheduling announcement, not back on Thursday. <clears throat> of course, that's a big game, Jamaica against the U.S. We are back on Friday with all the reaction to I'm the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. Oh, I gotta tell we'll somebody. find someone else.